0: Michelle Collins has that gift for gab that translates hilariously well both as a stand-up comedian and as a talk show host. Collins co-starred for one season on ABC's The View and has gone on to host several aftershows for reality series, among them ABC's After Paradise, TLC's 90 Day Live, a 90 Day Fiancé fan aftershow, and Lifetime's Little Talk Live. She can be currently heard hosting her very own morning show, The Michelle Collins Show, live weekday mornings on SiriusXM Satellite Radio. And Michelle has a live stage show, Strong Monster, in which she recounts her life as well as the latest musings from the world of pop culture via stories, slides, and songs. She's taking that show from New York City to London in July 2019, but first, she sat down with me to talk about her journey from Miami to Best Week Ever and beyond. So let's get to it! To Michelle Collins, uh, last things first. Were you always a morning person? What a wonderful opening
1: question, Sean McCarthy. First of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is actually really... I do feel with this microphone like I am performing for an audience of one, and it's you. It's very <laughs> funny, but I like it. Um, I've, I'm still to this day not a morning person. And I talk about it actually a lot on the show because mm-hmm. I have to be at my shows from 7 to 10, which is like unheard of for me. And I'm waking up at... That's I have to wash my hair at 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. if not 5.30, by the time you know, I have to do makeup, some days I'll go in, no makeup. Look how nice they're bringing us. Bottled, you're the best. Come in. Grits. Greg from Caroline's. Hi, Greg. Hi.
0: Greg Charles.
1: Oh, Aquapana, you're so nice. Oh, I'm going to put one thank in each rock up. I love it. He doesn't even want any. Thank you. <laughs> you're a dear. Thanks so much. That's so nice. You know what? This is true class. Yes. This The toast to of Times Square. Oh, thank you. This ASMR. You. It's like we're really here doing this. Um, So, yeah, so I haven't really been a morning person ever, and I'm still not.
0: Like, it's a struggle every day. And even though it's serious, XM satellite radio, you do so much video components for you that you still have to do about hair and makeup and all. Of that. I do,
1: anyways. I sometimes go in with no hair and makeup, depending on the mm-hmm. guests. Like if we have nobody coming in, sometimes I'll just free ball it. But I look like John Voight without anything on. I used to say Val Kilmer, and then he had some health problems, and I was like, okay, oh, I don't want to go right. there. So now John Voight, who's also well, John Voight has his own issues, just politically. Yeah. But he's like a male Angelina Jolie, and I feel like that is without makeup really where I'm. And Val <laughs> Kilmer age.
0: looks more and more like Mark Twain because he's which doing is, Mark Twain
1: exactly, which is also very much my morning energy. So. You know, so it's fine. But we actually are going to start to shoot the show on video, like, officially, I think in September. Okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk. Big, big reveal. But so that will actually be, like, me, you know, Mm -hmm. snatching myself. I'm going to have to wake up probably five every day. Yeah. Listen, can I tell you something? Of all the things to bitch about, it's, like, the easiest thing in the world. Like, just getting up to go in. It's the best job. I love it. It's everything I've ever wanted. So I can't,
0: you know, complain, even though I just did So when you were writing for Mm -hmm. BestWeekEver.tv for VH1... We couldn't get the .com, that's a fact. (laughs) Thank
1: you for mentioning it, yeah.
0: (laughs) When you were writing for them, Mm -hmm. you were like, someday, if I really play my cards right, I'll get a morning radio talk show.
1: Well, I feel like that's a lightly belittling, I will say this, (laughs) Um, your tone there, I was like, hmm, listen, it's not just a morning... Even if it were a morning zoo, mm-hmm. Z100, that's still, like, a great gig. You know, it's a national talk show. How many people can say that they have every day an audience and it's a very dedicated, truly a smart, I'm not even just saying this, like, mm-hmm. I'm always shocked at the intelligence of, like, the callers, funny, everyone's awesome. You know, so I have, they bring me amazing guests. Um, and, yeah, to go from blogging as a 26-year-old to 10 years later having your own, you know, eponymous talk show, I think is pretty good. It's awesome. ha- I'm happy with myself, Yeah
0: what have before we really get into the nuts and bolts of Michelle Collins. Yeah. I know that you're longtime friends with Julie Stiles. Sure. From school. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you also get to to witness any of the young talents of Greta Gerwig or Kate I McKinnon? Didn't, no. Um also aging me. I uh, no Kate was actually I know they were a couple years behind They were behind
1: you. me, well, I also skipped a grade, so Ooh, I would have been closer to them, but uh, no, Kate was I think a freshman after I graduated, or or possibly a freshman when I was a senior, something yeah. like that. I have no idea about Greta, but as far as like the comedy kids at mm-hmm. Columbia and Barnard, um, I'm yeah those two I miss. But I was with Jenny Slate, Gabe Liedman, Lang Fisher. Uh, there was an amazing crew of of people who were like, you know, working with me that
0: right. are just pretty. But Julie mild. was was already. Famous at
1: that point. Right. I became friends with Julia. Are you a big Julia fan? Is that why we're no. going there? No. No, I, yeah.
0: no, I asked because I'm, I'm curious to know what you've learned about fame and celebrity by being friends with her.
1: Um, well, listen, I you know, I would never compare myself, first of all, never compare myself to her level of notoriety and you know, household naminess. I mean, she's like a mega celebrity. And I, again, as you said, it's succinctly I'm on morning radio. But... Um, I mean, listen, I don't know if I learned anything. When we used to go out, it was funny because people would come up for photos and stuff with Mm -hmm. her. And I felt like I was very protective because I was just like, ah, in New York, like you should know better not to do that. You know, she was always friendly. But it was a little annoying, I think, especially in my 20s, you know, and I wanted to be like the good friend who like was not, you know, there for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Right. Um, But I don't know if I, you know, just she's always been just so kind and incredibly generous that. But I've been like that before anywhere, <laughs> You know, I don't think I learned anything. I'm not in, in the same even category or stratosphere as she is. But in so. terms of
0: relating to famous people, whether you've been writing about them or interviewing oh, like them. Oh, interviewing,
1: I see. Yeah. Like
0: what perspective has being friends with someone... I see what you're saying. ...given um, you on... She's not my only celebrity friend. You know, I well, have no, a not lot now, of people yeah. in the spotlight.
1: But, you know... Um, Listen, people are people. You know what I mean? I remember I saw Will Smith when I, my very first job out of uh, college was at the Sci-Fi Channel. And I was there for a month before I got uh, The Axe, which what, I deserved. What
0: was your job at Sci-Fi Channel? Uh, working
1: Jane? PR at the Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. I had no business doing it. I'm not good at PR today. I was even ten times more horrible then. And, um, and I also could give a shit about Sci-Fi. So it was like, you know, can you pull those files on William Shatner like every day? I was like, again? All right. So I did. But... I remember we saw Will Smith at a function. He was just there for, like, a wedding at a place we were working. Okay. And he said hello to us. I was, I think, 21 at the time. And I had a literal heart attack. Like, I remember... And this was at the height of, like... Well, I'll tell you what year it was. It was uh, 19... Or, excuse me, mm, 2003. Okay. So this was, like, post Fresh Prince, but, like, heart, You know, high, Will Smith has always been at the height of his right. career, right? And he said hi. And I didn't say hi back because I was so taken aback that he looked at me and, like, acknowledged me that I, I was, like meet like a ghost. And I called my mom that day. I was in LA and I said, you know, Oh my God, Will Smith, blah, blah, blah. And I go, what do you think? And she goes, he ah, shits just like we do. And I was like, good advice. You know? So what, listen, this has always been my calling to talk to interview people and to befriend people. Even if I have them in the studio for 20, 25 minutes, my interviews are, I think, unlike most interviewers, I don't use cards. You know, I have a team that preps questions for me, but between us, like I look at them only in Literal worst case scenarios of the person is like a complete dead, and I think it's happened twice in like a year and a half, you know. Um, you know, you're people are people, you just for me, it's about getting to know the person and being charming with them, and ideally seeing who they are just as themselves, not as like actor, singer, whatever. Because to me, that's the most interesting thing. I find a lot of late night shows don't do that, Like, it's very publicity driven, right? It's PR-driven, all about what are you plugging. And, and of course, then I plug their projects and ask about it, but I don't know. It's just done in a natural way. Michelle Collins will be live in London this July. Very nice. For example, I'm in London this July. All your English listeners, I'm sure, will come. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to, like, work the question out. Yeah. For me, it's just I want to get to know the person. I think the only person who really does that is Graham Norton, although Graham is also, of course, you know, has things prepared. But he's so natural with his, I mean, I'm talking major A-list guests that he has on the show. And to me, that's the best way to do it. You just kind of can't, I don't know, you just have to go with the flow and get to know them, you know? Frank,
0: because James Corden is trying to do what Graham Norton has successfully done. Yeah. Get them together and see what happens.
1: Exactly. Uh, but I just think that, and I like James Corden, I just feel like the uh, energy that Graham brings is just funnier. Like, it's sort of, I don't know, It's it's more British, frankly, even though James is British, it's it's a little more biting.
0: right? And here in America, I don't know if people are ready for that kind of tone. But this sci-fi job, this short-lived tenure with sci-fi, that's Viacom, right? No,
1: that was um, not Viacom. It was the USA Network. Oh, okay. So it was... I I don't think it was, maybe.
0: We'll fix that in post. Yeah, you can leave it (laughs) in. I don't care. I mean, listen, I I really i don't believe it was Viacom. I just like saying we'll fix it in post. Yeah.
1: That's just a good name. What's the name of the podcast?
0: We'll we'll fix it in post. Is it? No, it's called Last Things First. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yeah (laughs) I thought it was called The Sean McCarthy Show I was like
1: God bless I'll do it
0: (laughs) Only if it's called that I'm like Last Thing's First I gotta go No I love Mm -hmm. it Yes Um, But you went out to LA for that job Or you went out to LA For sci-fi? Yeah
1: No I went out to LA many years later I went out to LA in 2010 Okay I I was working at Viacom here at VH1 for years Right Started there in 2006, yeah.
0: Well, what were you doing before that?
1: Uh, I was a legal secretary for four years after I got fired from the Sci-Fi Channel. I was unemployed. I ate nothing but Indian food, gained 20 pounds, and I was like, I need a job.
0: Had you done comedy at all at that point?
1: You know, I started doing stand-up, I think, in 2004. And the person I have to thank for that, actually, is Chelsea Peretti, who went to Barnard with Mm -hmm. me and was in my improv group. And I think she just needed, like, a friend to perform with so that, because it's kind of, you know, a little depressing, like, going to these late-night shows by herself and
0: whatever else. Right. And she's one of the
1: greats. Literally, the fun- probably one she- of the funniest people. I know that that's what she calls herself, <laughs> but it's kind of right. I mean, she's probably one of the most madcap funniest people I've ever met in my life. And I've never met her husband, but,
0: you know, let's talk about two geniuses finding each other, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, wait, you were in an improv group with her? hmm At Columbia. Was it short form or long form? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think short form. I have no idea. I don't know what we did. We think, were just making stuff no, up. No, it
1: was like we did sketches and stuff, but it was, enough, you know, unplanned improv. I think mm-hmm. short form, you could call it. Like whose line is it anyway? Kind of games? Uh, ish. We were like the, honestly, it was so long ago. I mean, we just, yeah, we had, it was like a college improv group, you know, so it was very- Was there anyone else in that who's still doing comedy? That's a great question. Uh, this guy, Reese Waters, who is- Yes, now, I know Reese. Know who, yeah, so Reese was in my group with Chelsea. Okay. Um, I don't think, I don't really keep He's in He's on TV in DC now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. He's um, wonderful, very funny. And then the other improv group had Gabe Liebman and Jenny, and they were called Two Left Feet. But then oh. senior year, we all worked on um, a
0: big Columbia show together. So
1: that's okay. sort of how everybody befriended. So there
0: try. wasn't a, a big rivalry between So the much groups. so
1: that actually, I think the year after I graduated, the improv groups merged, which I was like kind of pissed about. Have. No, because they got rid of both of the names, and so it kind of erased the history mm. of the groups. And then, of course, the rival group sprung up anyway, so it's like, you know, you can't win. <laughs> I'll have a sip of my water. Anyways, it's fine.
0: It's over with. I'm
1: old now. What
0: else? So you had done the make ups with Chelsea, and then your. uh, you're, uh Eating your feelings as a legal secretary?
1: No, that was before um, I wouldn't put it that way. I was just bored. Like I didn't I wasn't working. So I would order in. That was before I got hired as legal secretary. Then I actually lost weight. I was okay. as a legal secretary, I want to act in Atkins. It's
0: important we get the timeline right.
1: You're asking me, yeah. You thought yeah. I moved to LA and how much research did you do for
0: the interview? none. None. Yeah. I'm just following your lead. <laughs> But see, How am I doing so far? So, you're too off the cuff. Most... You're too quick and off the cuff for me to f- keep up. That can't be true. This <laughs> is
1: so James Liptony, By the way, I truly feel if anyone could I just like describe where we are right now for people listening. Sure. So, Sean, first we we're going to meet in an office, and then you were like, let's meet at Caroline's, which, you know, I do, have done a show here before. I love Caroline's. We're right now sitting in Caroline's. They were so kind to turn the air conditioning on. It's literally 100% humidity outside. It's just walking into a wall of water and boiling hot. And it's just the two of us in this beautiful, darkly lit venue. And it's actually very nice.
0: It is very nice. I like it. Yeah. It's all right. I should do all my shows here.
1: Honestly, you, they're very nice to let
0: you come here. In the middle of the afternoon. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah. No, they're very kind. And that's before they gave us the luxury water. I can't get over this water.
1: <laughs> this is like a $7 bottle of water. I'm shitting. Anyways, go on. <laughs> It's really nice. He, came out, he said water. I thought it was gonna be like from the tub where they keep the dishes, but no.
0: Okay, so mm-hmm. Chelsea is doing stand up. She wants you to join her on yes. this journey. Yes. And you do it begrudgingly or you do it No no no, I with-
1: have interest. Listen, I've wanted to perform... I've been performing since I was five years old. Like, I want to make it clear whenever I hear people who are like, I'm thinking of doing stand-up, I always think, okay, is it something that you've wanted to do? Like, my whole thing is, this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. You know, so it was... uh, If it were at all begrudgingly, it would be because of fear of, like, bombing. But, um, and that's why I'm grateful to her for just kind of, like, you know, shaking me out of it and getting me up on stage. Because once you do it and once you break the seal... um, then you're kind of in the mix, you know what I mean. But so yeah, no, it was not begrudgingly. I was very excited to do stand up.
0: Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if the improv experience had soured you on it. And not you at had all. To get...
1: I loved uh, doing I loved doing improv Re-cleaned. in college, but I never did like UCB after I graduated or anything. Why not? It's just I wanted to do stand up. I'm a sing- I'm a solo act.
0: You know. Well, you are the ECNY. Oh my winner. acne award! I should have yeah. brought it, Shawnee.
1: If you <laughs> were you there when I won? I was. Oh my god!
0: You've been around forever. I dude. like. Numbers. Oh,
1: Sean, how do you even get into this? How did this become your thing, like following comedians everywhere?
0: Uh, Well, I was a newspaper reporter when those were jobs. Remember that? Yeah. I'm so sorry. And then I was in an improv group in Seattle. Oh, really? In the mid-90s. No kidding. Yeah. That's exciting.
1: I've never been to Seattle. Can you imagine? I'm dying to go. It's still there. I hear it. It's not underwater yet. I know. It's like Miami. I need to go before it goes full Venetian. I was just thinking
0: that. Like, it's not that I have a bucket list of places to travel Humanity has a bucket list.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And so I need to cross all these places off. That bucket list is
1: why I'm like, am I having kids?
0: Or are they going to, like, die in 2050, which is just terrible. I don't don't know. Okay, so back to you. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you're a legal secretary. You're doing stand-up. Yes. Does the law firm know you're doing stand-up? Yes. And the one good, well, yes and no.
1: The good thing about the law firm was that I was done at five o'clock every day. So mm-hmm. it was like nine to five by the hour. I was there for four years. They, in my opinion, treated me kind of like shit. I mean, I was really young. I think I was like one of the youngest people there. So it was a small firm, mm-hmm. but they were not great. Like I had two uh, female bosses who one of them who never wore makeup and looked awful, called me into her office to tell me that I should really wear makeup every day because I just look so much better with it on. This is like a female boss telling me that. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, did my mom call you? Because that's exactly how I was raised, but also how dare you, you know? I asked for a raise once. I think I was making like 30 grand a year. I mean, you know. Oh, that's not no, I
0: imagine I you making more than that.
1: You know what? Maybe, th- I think my first year I was making 35,000, mm-hmm. which, you know, at the time seemed like a lot of money, but now thinking back, it's comically horrible. I mean, just yeah. even this was in 2002 was nothing <laughs> to live in New York city. I mean, get out of here. Yeah. Luckily I had a very cheap rent was how I was able to do it, but I asked her for a raise and this mm-hmm. was a woman who had a daughter at Yale. Like they had money. They owned two apartments in New York, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, just, why don't you just ask your parents for money? Was her advice to me? And I was like, well, if my parents had money, I would not even fucking be here at all. So what are you talking about? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if my parents could just afford to give me money, Do you think I'd be fucking staring at you? I would be out there, like doing, you know, trying to make my dreams come true. Not this bullshit. So that was tearing my one-person show. Can you imagine? Right. Yeah. So yeah, but I did work on something when I worked there called Votergasm, which was um, this is right before I started Best Week Ever, so probably like three and a half years into it, uh, where we encouraged. I'll be honest, it was the idea of this guy, Peter Keckley and Ben Wickler. Mm-hmm. Peter worked at the, I think they both worked at The Onion at the time. They eventually worked at Move On, Upworthy, I think they founded it. Uh Ben Wickler worked for Al Franken for many years. So they're super okay. progressive, political, very funny guys. And they came up with this idea called Votergasm, which was, I mean, it was a totally like non-jokey idea, but obviously funny where we encouraged people to register to vote and then only sleep with other registered voters, like that you were not allowed to have sex with anyone who wasn't registered. Now, this was in 2004. Yeah, I was guessing
0: that would be 2004.
1: Yeah, yeah. which, you know, that was like a very progressive, now it would be like, oh, kind of like a funny stunt, but this was like before Instagram, before Twitter. It was one of those things that I think really caught people off guard and uh, I was the spokeswoman for it because they wanted to have a woman do it, which I think was totally the right move. You yeah. ha- otherwise, it's creepy, and I'm like only a little creepy. So <laughs> they had me do it. you creepy at all? Thanks, Sean. And um, you know, and I, I remember that my dad called me. I was sitting at work in my little cubicle, and my dad called, and he goes, um, "So listen, Rush Limbaugh just talked about you on the air, and this was like a pre-Alex Jones. I mean, so people who are listening, yeah. if anyone young is listening, like Rush Limbaugh <laughs> was." Alex Jones at the time, except not as horrible, I would say. But even though he was disgusting, he, Alex is on a different level yes. of depravity, right?
0: Yeah, he, Alex somehow makes Rush Limbaugh look human. Tame. I yeah. agree, totally.
1: So he goes, Rush Limbaugh just talked about you in the air. And I said, um, pardon? Like, what did he say? And my dad goes, oh, my God. He called me, I just said funny enough, depraved. He called me a depraved lunatic. So now I'm like crying hot tears. I'm like, I don't believe this. Because of Rush, it got picked up in every national newspaper. This, it was like the thing we needed. The outrage right. was what we needed, you know, the impetus. So it became a national news story. I was on the Al Franken show, funny enough. Um, I did all these radio tours. And my workplace had no idea And it finally got written up in the New York Times, Mm -hmm. and I was quoted, and my boss, who, you know, of course, read the Times, called me in, and she was like, I remember, oh my God, she was like, are you working on this here? And of course I was. And I said, "Um, no. (laughs) That was me lying. I was like, no. And she goes,
0: are you... After five o'clock.
1: Yeah, five to ten, every night. I read, she was just like, okay, because what was she going to do, fire me? She needed me there. Like, there was, you know, for the money? Yeah. What was she going to do? So... But because of that, and I think my website, that's pretty much how best Week ever happened for me, because I had now a little notoriety. I had a fan base. Wait, and so what
0: was your what was your technical job as the spokesperson for voting? Like I was stuff. the face of the
1: movement, if you will. So okay. I print campaigns. Um, no, no, no. They had TV an councils. artist do stuff. No, it wasn't that big. It okay. was more. It was really just to get away to get progressives and liberals to register. I mean, because it was obviously yeah. an idea that conservatives would freak out about. Um, you know yeah that was it I just I did all the press stuff so I spoke to everyone I was always the one quoted which was nice exciting for me got to be funny obviously but I had to it was almost like that Colbert thing of not that I'm comparing myself to him but of really playing it straight like I couldn't give away that I was in on the joke you know right yeah
0: it was fun I guess that's what makes you so depraved that's right you and Rush (laughs) I see connection now I got it so you so you get the job at best week ever Mm -hmm. And this is, the show was already on the air, yes. right? And then they decided they needed a web component. They
1: started the blog before I got hired there with um, Bob Kestrone, actually. It was like the guy who kind of launched it. And mm-hmm. then they hired Alex Blagg, who's, I'm sure you you know Alex. Um, yeah, I remember it was you, Alex, and and Dan Weiner. Eventually Dan Hopper got yeah. hired. Then Bob went on his way. Alex went on his way. I ran the site. Uh, we hired yeah. Sarah Schaefer, worked for us. Sarah Walker, Noah Garfinkel. I mean, we had some Elliot Glazer. We brought in, I was trying to bring in people who I just genuinely thought were the funniest, you know? And um, we outlasted the show by a few years, actually. I know. And I think, and then I moved to LA and I was working on it when I was in LA. And I think, when I want to say 2012, I got a new job and I had to walk away. Like it was just enough, you know, but I really loved working
0: on it. But when you got the job with VH1, yeah. Did you immediately quit the legal secretary job? Or oh my there? god, yes! Okay. Are you
1: kidding me? I was like Beyonce in the Lemonade
0: video. I was like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" Well, I wasn't sure back. because I, yeah. I do remember a period of time with VH1 where there was an issue with permalancers.
1: Oh no, I I got hired there if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it did take me about a year. So again. I wasn't sure insurance. if you were.
0: Oh no, no, no I was there full time, full time baby, salaried. Great, great you were benefits. good to be in the business in the business of show.
1: I think I actually had benefits from the time I got hired. I don't remember being antsy about insurance.
0: What was the What was the atmosphere like between the website and the show?
1: You know, listen, it was okay. We weren't for me. I came in. It was fine. They were separate for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we would post stuff from the show. You know, I've made very good friends who were producers on that show. My friend Colleen Klutz, Nelson Walters. Um, People who I still have lunch with once a week, you know, here in the city, like who I love. Um, Norman Baker, who now is on Wendy Williams. They had an amazing, it was probably the best job I've ever had. Um, maybe after Sirius, because at least here I'm, you know, doing
0: my right. passion. But I mean, between the website and the show, they had most of the hip young New York comedians. It was involved an amazing,
1: it. it was really an amazing time. And it's funny, I wonder, I was talking to someone about this. I think actually with Nelson, because he did my show in LA when I was out there a couple weeks ago, um, about how you couldn't really make best week ever now because it's such a, the internet has sort of killed clips and killed viral mm-hmm. moments. So for example, on housewives, you know, if you have like a panic attack, the Bethany has a panic attack, it's so oversaturated by the time you make it to Friday, people have seen it a hundred times. So they're kind of like, What's left to joke about? Like Twitter, in a way, is a race. It's like an arms race for humor. So everyone's trying to get their jokes out. Everyone's Photoshopping stuff and getting stuff out there so quickly that, frankly, I'll be honest, I think it's killing BuzzFeed. I think Best Week Ever, which predated BuzzFeed, even tonally and just with what we did. I don't know if it would. I I feel like blogs don't exist anymore. Look, Gawker's down. Jezebel, I still read from time to time. Even The Onion. The Onion now, to me, is just like a Twitter feed, you know. A lot of it, it's right. just died. And, you know, because you worked in print. J- that it's... Joel McHale
0: tried to yeah. duplicate his e-show on Netflix, and that didn't go. Well, that's also hard on Netflix to do those kind Good. of shows. You, I feel like you need it to be on cable. That's just my opinion. But it's part of that same fight against internet comedy.
1: It's, it's really tough. And it's a shame because I think the format of TV does lend itself to a different tone and a different energy versus the internet it's more inclusive i think uh it's warmer obviously you have someone who's bringing you in; you can hear it and feel it whereas on the internet it's like literally we're so numb to everything online that i just feel like it it's like microfiche you know your eyes are like darting back and forth you're like okay joke 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 like it's doesn't sink in
0: yeah i actually stopped looking at twitter during award shows Whereas oh, five years see, that's ago, that's the only time I'm on it. Now. Whereas so five funny. years ago, I might have. Yeah. Five years ago, I was on both, like, multicasting
1: platforms. But, platforms, it's but, but now it's that. like that's the one time I like Twitter. Isn't that funny? Yeah. For me, just as like a writer, I'm I'm into the whole. I love taking pictures, photoshopping, blah blah blah. It's
0: like fun. Although I think it might have been the presidential debates of 2016 that really soured me.
1: I got it. I got some more moment. It's so nice. I feel like I'm at the pool. <laughs> Go
0: on. What else? (laughs) Ah, We're in the middle of Times Square and we're at the pool. It feels very nice. It does feel nice. But there were no, there were no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There was no um, misunderstanding or miscommunication about the idea that um, people who worked for the website would be on the TV show.
1: I mean I don't know I feel like you're trying to get somewhere I used no, to be I... no it's just it's a very um interesting line of questioning cuz it's it's like so nuanced and inside baseball that I don't even know if people listening would like get it or care. I mean I was brought in every now and again to be on the show when people would drop out. Like this is when I was doing stand up but mm-hmm. you know I was very
0: happy just being on the website. I was not Well I'm interested in your evolution as a performer into into being a talk show host and an interviewer.
1: Um yeah I mean listen they would every now and again put me on it if, like, mm-hmm. Paul Shear was stuck in traffic. They would wheel my big <laughs> ass in and be like, read these lines. But, you know, because I was sort of like, I'm not going to say an intern, but mm-hmm. I was an underling of sorts, and there was... Listen, the website versus TV, do I need to explain? Like, we were kind of the bastard children. and not in a, But not because they were mean or anything. It's just the nature of... what we were working on. Like they were working on a big show and we were in our office just blogging all day and we were in our little caves, you know, so they would bring me and they were always very nice, but it wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say that I was ever one time even funny on best week ever. So
0: how did you decide when it was time to do your first on camera web interview stuff?
1: Well, that's what I've always wanted to do, you know, so that you're saying on best week ever when I did like the martini. Yeah. Well, that was always what I wanted. But so how did you decide brother. when
0: was the right time to I didn't. It's just
1: when they let me. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, you were also asking me to think back 10 years ago. Right. I have no idea. It was like, we had a video team. I love talking to people. It's always, literally since I've been little, I've wanted a late night show. Like, no, that's real. So for me, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I want to meet people. And I actually think even if you look back at those videos, you can see what I do now even on the radio, which was just... I wanna make people laugh, I right. wanna make them feel comfortable and not like they're like promoting or working like it's just two people over drinks or coffee or whatever getting to know each other. And I, I actually think that it's you know, evolved into something nice. Yeah.
0: Logo was the first network to really pick up on your potential, right? How so? In terms of the
1: B H one was. Because VH1 put me on the air before Logo. They were, I mean, I didn't only do Best Week Ever. I was doing all the, um, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, red oh, carpets. Talking. You were doing red yeah, carpet stuff. I did red carpet. Stuff. I did talking head stuff. And frankly, I think with Logo, what did I do for Logo? Well, Logo and VH1 were owned by the same. Like, right. I had the boss. My boss was the same for both networks. Okay. So, um, but in terms of like natural. giving you
0: an award they and, and putting you, a, you on a panel talk show. They did
1: do that. that. Well, that's why I moved to LA. I forgot that that was on Logo. Okay. Yes. So that Was that on Logo? I think it was. God, you really did your research. Now I'm impressed. (laughs) Because I think we were on Logo and then they booted us and then we ended up on like Byron Allen's network. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Um, Yes. Logo's always been very good to me. Between us, I kind of hate that they had a hit show and then the show went to VH1 and now Logo sort of ceases to exist. But also, I guess if people weren't watching, you know, it's just naturally what happens. But um, yeah, they were very good to me. Listen, when I won that award, what was it? The uh, breakout star, the new Now Next
0: Award? Yeah, yeah.
1: First of all, I wore, let's put it this way, the ugliest dress I've ever seen in my life. Like, I think back, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, I have so many beautiful gowns, and I love gowns, I love getting dressed up, like, it's, I love glamming out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I put this dress on, it was Stevie Nicks meets Momo, like, just some black open shoulder, it was so fucking ugly, and they called my name, and I remember getting up on stage, and this was, I think, in 2010, somewhere around there? And it was, like, Perez Hilton, you know, when Perez was Perez, just, I looked out into this, like, Audience and I beat some like for people teenagers, who I Hilton
0: was a yeah, famous internet personality <laughs> of the, oh, the 2000s. People's
1: faces? Uh, <laughs> it was just like, an amazing crowd, They're, they've always been good to me. And then, yes, yeah, so then the reason I moved to LA was because I got hired on a talk show. Okay, that if you ask me to explain how that happened, I literally could not because I it was when I say the definition of a shot in the dark, it was mm. Byron Allen, who you may or may not know from. The fact that he hosts, like, a 4 a.m. show where he interviews people with junkets. <laughs> I forget the name of the show. It's, like, Inside Hollywood. Well, he has like
0: multiple that. shows and multiple channels. He's, by the way, he's, he's really massively a fa- He's a
1: fascinating guy. Wealthy, yeah. He's wealthy, but then also goes bankrupt, but then becomes wealthy again. He owns so many homes. I'm like, which is it by, like, are you going to be wealthy or not? But, and he's involved in a, in a massive lawsuit with is he? Comcast. <gasps> he made that, that movie, too. Uh, oh, fuck. What was it? about but the Bobby Kennedy shootings or something. He made some movie about it's that was like hand? widely panned. Oh. oh, no, about Chappaqua. That's oh, what it was. Okay. Yes. I think it was him. Um, <laughs> if I just like pin Chappaqua on him and he didn't make it, I am so sorry, Byron. I've not talked to him in years, but I'll always be grateful to him. because Look, anybody who takes a chance like that, I don't care who you are, you get a call and it's like, we want to put you on TV mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think we were on Loco very long. I have to be very honest. I think that they moved us. But it was me, Alec Mappa, who I adore, Lonnie Love, and Bernadette Polly, who's a comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was called The Gossip Queens. And then my best friend, Steven, always said, dish that juicy gossip mash. Like, we had this whole funny thing. It was so stupid. But, uh, yeah, we did the show. I got to say, it was... Now having done a lot of TV, but at the time I had done, you know, here and there shows, whatever, whoever put me on, you know that I was like there in my wig, like ready, even though it's my hair. Um, (laughs) it was as professional. This is a real thing I'm going to say as the view. It was as professional as any major talk show that I've done. And I really mean it. The only thing that screwed us on that show, I think we initially started it and we were like a day out. Like, so we'd record it and then air it the next day, but it was like a gossip talk show. And then I think when we got off logo, I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but they were like, okay, so now we're going to air them in two weeks. Oh. <laughs> so it was like, imagine now. Two doing week old it. gossip. Yeah. And then on top of it now, and I still think, every, I don't think they air it anymore, but every now and again, because he has his own TV network, Byron yeah. does. And I think it's entertainment TV or something. Well, that's
0: what his lawsuit with Comcast is oh, about is whether they're, because they won't carry his channel very funny. And he says it's, it's great racist. news.
1: Great news for me. Well, sure, I don't know about that at all.
0: I had never heard of this. I'm not lawsuit. asking you to comment on the law. I certainly
1: I can't because I don't
0: know what it is, but
1: <laughs> I will say this that I would get emails from people like 3 years ago being like hey, are you on Gossip Queens? And I'm like, am I talking about Lindsay Lohan and Michael Lohan? Like, this, I mean, they were airing shows from 2010. As, oh,
0: he does that with Comics Unleashed, one of his other yes, shows. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm like, they, this they is still, a time-sensitive show. They air, they air episodes from 2006 it's with insane. comedians who have died. That I love.
1: I hope they still do it for me. If I drop dead today, may they still show Gossip Queens 20 years from now being like, we had Michael Lohan on the show. I mean, it was very dark. We had some dark moments, Ooh. but you want to know what? I look at every job I get as practice also for something else. Like Mm -hmm. it's always building and learning and and taking things away from it. And say what you will about the Gossip Queens, we would shoot six hour long episodes in a day. It got me, I think, great at reading prompter, being professional Mm -hmm. backstage, on stage. I really loved the people that I was hired to work with. They were I mean, having now worked at other shows like that, this was like no drama. Everyone got along, so great. So, you know, what can you complain about?
0: I mean it was it was great. Now, with The View, I know you've been asked a lot about The View. Yeah. Um, When you left the show, Mm -hmm. how long did it take you to decide what you wanted to do next? Well, I mean, I always knew what I wanted. Like,
1: I feel like um, you ask these questions where it's like, how long did I know? It's like, I knew what I wanted to do before I got hired on The View, while I was on it, after. I want to host. I want to talk to people. I want to be funny. So anything that fell within that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of... um, Venn diagram I was open to do and I think it was that summer that I hosted the uh, Bachelor after show which I will say was probably one of the best jobs
0: I've ever had I loved doing that and then it became kind of your thing for a little while Doing after shows.
1: That really became my thing. I think it's still sort of my thing. I uh-huh. hope. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that. I agree with you. Like, how did that happen? But
0: right. what ends up happening is it's
1: really hard to host an after show. Bachelor was easy because they sort of have a tongue in cheek, especially for Bachelor in Paradise. We're in a pre rape. Uh, <laughs> pre-rape controversy world because that was the summer before the whole thing happened with Corinne and that whole you know terrible story but
0: I don't watch the show but I do I am familiar with that story I
1: don't know what happened there was just a whole melee around that show that kind of killed you know I think a little bit of the comedy energy if you will but we did that after shows me and Sean Lowe and uh Honestly, they were it was great. They let us be super funny. You know, I've worked on a lot of shows where they'd be like, "Don't be funny." And then I'm like, "Well, why am I here?" Like I you know, this is what I do. You know my tone, you know how I ask questions, you know that I'm very warm and I'm charming. I don't ever want to make people not feel good. That's just not what I do. But I will like take the piss out of someone in that Britishy
0: way, you know, of yeah.
1: never insulting someone but just being funny, you know.
0: Do you feel like you have to watch those shows differently, the ones that you do the after shows?
1: Well, yeah. Of course, because you can't, you know, it's interesting having worked with The Bachelor and frankly, let's say 90 Day Fiancé and all these shows, Mm -hmm. when at Sirius they pitch me talent from those shows, I actually don't like to meet them because I find they're all nice. Like you meet them, everyone's nice. I mean, it's so rare. I'm not just saying this, like one out of every hundred people who's on reality shows up like an asshole. It happens. Right. Some of the housewives, blah blah blah. But I just don't want to know them because I like to keep it separate so that I can speak about it on my show without being influenced by having met the people. You know, so yeah, of course I watch it differently. I mean, I watch it always through the same lens, but it's just I have to be a little bit careful. Like I can't make fun of a show, obviously, if I'm hosting the after show for it. Right. You know. So yeah, I like doing after shows. It's fun. It's like best week ever, basically. Part but, two. Right. And but look for way. very
0: specific for, audiences. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you'll ever become a morning person?
1: That's a great question, Sean McCarthy. Let me think. Ooh. I like
0: to start and end with great questions and I mean, in the I middle. That's it? And in the middle just go really oh no, bizarre. are done? Yeah. I like to start and end with great questions. That was
1: questions a quick one. Did, did I, I answer then, good stuff? And then
0: in the middle just go really haywire and have you confused the whole time. Uh, is that what I look like? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're just like, did I answer you're just any like, questions? You, for, like, even, the tone of that question is so nuanced. no. You were like
1: trying to start like an East Coast West Coast war. We're the best we ever show showed. No, no, no. Ten years ago, I'm like I don't remember if they like me or not. Let me ask you a question though. Can I yes. talk about my Joe's Pep show and my other shows? Yeah. Oh,
0: are we done? Is this the last question? Well, no. I'm just, oh. I'm, I'm just circling. That. Oh, okay, good. So, do, do you think you'll ever be a morning person?
1: I hope that I am uh, a morning person. So I've gotten certainly gotten better. Like, I wake up now, and I'm not groggy. I, like, at 7 a.m., I'm on, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I've gotten better, but I just like being up late.
0: It's quiet. Do you talk to any other morning show people to, to, like, Commiserate on? I'll tell you who I'm obsessed with is
1: Hoda and Savannah. They are... You know, it's like that Oprah thing where you're like, there's no way Oprah is, like, as great in person, and then, of Mm -hmm. course, she's, like, the best person. That's for sure Hoda. Savannah is funny as shit. They are, like, very fun, funny girls. I'm a big fan, so... And they say that it doesn't get easier. Like, you just wake up and it's hard. Your body never adjusts. Well, you want to go out at night. You want to have maybe a glass of wine, go to an Mm. event. Because then also I have to recap my night sometimes
0: on the show. So it's like taking naps, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be the person who's like, well, yeah, I missed everything that happened last night on TV because I went to bed at 7. But that's exactly right. I have to
1: watch all the shows. They're on
0: late. It's tough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's got to be some way.
1: I mean, I'm making it work. Okay. I think people are happy.
0: Yeah. So tell me about the show. Thank
1: you, Sean McCarthy. Um, Well, oh my God, thank you so much for asking. Um, Well, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. Hopefully soon-ish.
0: It should come out July 1st.
1: Oh, perfect. So if you're listening, I'm going to ask you a favor. Do you know anyone in London, England? <laughs> uh, please, please, please go to my Instagram, at Find I had these amazing posters made for my show. I have a show called Strong Monster. I've done it at Joe's Pub a handful of times. It's back at Joe's Pub here in New York, July 23rd. Sean, you have to come to one of my shows. You know that. Did I you did. come to one of them? No. Not yet. No. Well, how rude. Uh, you must, obviously, just let me know tickets on me, but... I'm doing four nights in a row at the Soho Theater in London, which is such a great space. I would compare it to basically a Joe's Pubby kind of just awesome, warm. Have you been to the UK? I've been many times. I've never performed. Okay. Yeah. So this is my London debut. I'm excited. I've never done Edinburgh. This is like the first time I'm, I'm performing there. I just want to make sure people are there, so please I'm asking you share. It's truly a, a desperation please i'm not this is not um, for laughs. This is me on my knees saying, if you know anybody in London, mm-hmm. please send them to my show. My show is super funny. it's uh very improvised. you know I, I don't write jokes I've like gotten to a place with my stand up where I have like a slideshow which kind of guides me with photos and things like that but then it's just a full-blown freestyle how often do you change
0: the slides every show pretty much okay yeah
1: not fully but i'll Mm -hmm. rearrange and you know add some new ones depending there's some hilarious props involved not in a carrot top way in a reveal you know there's like reveal props Mm. that i think people will appreciate um It's really an experience. I sing. I've had celebrity guests here in New York. Adam Rippon, Cheyenne Jackson, Andrew Rannells came on. I have to figure out who's coming on in July. Uh, You know, but I'm really excited. So yeah, July 3rd through 6th, 9.15 p.m. at the Soho Theater. I would love to see. Do you know who your special guests are going to be in London? I don't think I'm having any in London because I kind of want it to be about me. Uh, And also it's going to be.
0: You don't want the focus to be pulled to Graham Norton. Mm -hmm.
1: By the way, I actually emailed Graham to do it. (laughs) And so far, I'm still waiting. And he's my idol. And I've met him before and he's the literal nicest person and the funniest, but it's not even that. It's that, um, I just have so much that I got to do that the idea of also adding four guests and uh, it's like too much. So I'm just going to make it about me.
0: Oh yeah. It'll be fun. Well, I mean, Michelle Collins, you're, you're, you're the best. No, that can't be true.
1: Sean, you've been so kind to me and I really mean that. Thank you. You know, little Sean, we've known him for years. (laughs) Always we've, writing nice things. We've it's grown up true. together. It's very true. No, you're a very supportive person, and uh, I know the community really appreciates you for it. So. so, yeah. So, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, for sure. Awesome. That was easy. All right. Bye. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Last things
0: first. This episode of the Comics Comic presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brzezell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first! Last things first!